So here we go. Uh, Molly is sick, so please pray for her. But welcome to Bethel Radio Hour. Jamie is sitting in for Molly. Uh, my name's Ben Kingston. I'm the pastor at Bethel Baptist Church. As Molly says, chair number one of the panel. Chair number two is Gavin Hooks. Uh, chair number three is Ryan Mayberry. And so we are here to talk to you. Uh, Molly made the thing. I only changed one thing, uh, which will be the last session, and these guys all know. But uh, we're going to do what she always does and ask an intro question. Top one to three experiences in the last 10 days. So you can give me up to three top experiences or just give me one good one type thing of the last 10 days. So that includes Christmas and New Year's. Ryan, go. All right, so uh, since I actually had some time to prepare because I saw what the question was going to be, um, <laughs> I have a better answer because I would just say hanging out with the baby. That's sure. been, been pretty awesome. I've been doing that a lot in the last 10 days, but I have kind of like a past, present, and future one. For the past, um, we found, we were doing some house cleaning, and we found the old notebook that when me and Sarah first got married, when Look we first that. started writing out the budget and figuring oh, out how awesome. much we'd have in each category, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So that was really cool to see how far we've come from that. And then the present one would be hanging out with Sarah and Maverick. And then yeah. for the future one, I've uh, been listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson and a lot of different podcasts and stuff lately. So kind of trying to form opinions and, you know, look into the future type of thing. So Good stuff. All Good. within the last 10 days, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Uh, Gavin? Uh, mine overlap with Ryan since we're related. Uh, first Christmas with my first grandson. Yay! Uh, awesome to spend time with him. Uh, we... I just started this study again on, I think I'm, I'm wearing you out with telling you about no, no. this study orphans. about uh, orphans and uh, just experiencing God's love through his word has mm. just been, uh, the last few months has been a blessing. You've been able to talk to David Hughes? I have reached out to him, but we haven't got, got gotcha. together yet. Gotcha. Well, if he, if he doesn't respond, you can tell him, Brother Ben said, if you don't respond, I'm not going to have you come to speak to us. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> All right, a little leverage. Because in, in the parking lot, he caught me one day and wants to come and present the work. That's a whole other story. But uh, he doesn't have to know we're still not going to have him. But anyway, <laughs> I'm messing. Uh, Jamie, top three or one or two? Uh, my first one was uh, Christmas with my four different families. It was, it was a very busy time. Always is. Um, looking over our house plans and lots, and we're, we're going to build. So cool. that's been real exciting for us. Um, and then I really enjoyed my time at the New Year's party at the Sullivan's yeah. house. Um, it was a good time of fellowship, and their house is beautiful. Um, the food was good. The company was great. And I even got to bed by 10. So. <laughs> Welcome to adult New Year's Eve. It was the goal. It was the goal, for sure. So for me, it was Christmas with my fam. Uh, starting maple season is pretty exciting. And then last Sunday's services, we'll talk more about that uh, here in a little bit. Uh, but uh, So those were mine. Well, good. Good. I'm glad you guys had a, a good 10, 11 days or however long you got off work. Uh, I can't speak for you, uh, but for me, it, it's a pretty amazing opportunity to just kind of, you know, rest and recharge. Uh, literally went to bed at 7.30 one evening and did not stir till 7 uh, the next morning. And so, you know, it, it just, uh, you need those times. Uh, you can't afford too many of those times, uh, but, but you need those times, at, at least I do at, at this age anyway. Uh, all right, so we are at uh, Romans chapter 8, 8 through 13. 
So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if he, sorry, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, but for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now, uh, I don't know if you were able, because it seemed like there was a lot of, uh, you know, going back and forth to living, being in the Spirit, dying, being alive, and things of that nature. So let's see if we can't piece this all together. Again, you have to uh, let the clear interpret the cloudy. So no, nowhere in this passage is Paul inferring, uh, trying to teach uh, that you and I can lose our salvation. I happen to know, uh, not so much among this crowd here, but throughout our world, that is a question, that is a concern, and I respect that, and, and I believe that there is a time to address that. Uh, but we're not going to go into that right here, right now. If that is an area that you struggle with, that happens to be a sugar stick of mine because I worked with a meat cutter that tried to get me saved for two, two and a half years, uh, and, but I had been saved since age five. And so uh, I am certainly, uh, whether, I, you know, whether you would agree, but I would tell you that I'm uh, capable and more than honored to talk to anybody about this area. And... You know, being full of integrity, I can tell you, I haven't convinced everybody, you know, uh, it, it, because a lot of this is where you start determines where you end up, you know. And so a person that has been taught from day one that you can lose your salvation, it's extremely difficult to leave that position. Uh, the reverse is true, too. And so what you have to do is make sure you're being honest, intellectually honest with yourself and with the scripture and open to what the word of God says. So. What I've done is when I look at both sets of verses, if you will, uh, in my humble opinion, uh, there is an overwhelming argument, especially in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, that you and I are eternally saved at the point of conversion. So if we look at that, then we know that Paul is not here indicating or inferring that you and I can lose our salvation because of sin. So then we have to ask... So what is he saying? Well, let's start again here at verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. All right? Now, in my humble opinion, there are two meanings that you can take from that. Both are accurate. However, I think only one is being referred to here. So, uh, number one, according to Scripture, if you and I never come to Christ, we have lived in our flesh the carnal, lost person, we've lived in that position all of our physical life, and we will die and go to a place of eternal punishment. So that could possibly be that meaning there. Or number two, when you are saved, you do not live by the Spirit's leaning, and you are carnal slash 
fleshly. So in other words, you are not living your life in a way to please God, but you're not going to lose your salvation because of that. So uh, in my humble opinion, that's where we're getting at here. Anyone want to dive in before we go to the it's next? It's uh, a pretty... It's an interesting verse because it, it seems to play both sides at the same time. Because it's saying if you're living in the flesh, you're, you, you don't know God, and so you're not going to fully enter into a relationship with him. But even if you do and you live in the flesh in the sense that you're not following his commands, then you're still not going to please God. So it's interesting. It plays both sides at the same time. You bet. So that next phrase there, but you are not in the flesh in my humble opinion, you have to take that literally. He's speaking to the Roman church people here that he's, you know, that this book is authored to. Now, it's entered into the canon of Holy Scripture, so he's referring to us as well. But as far as the con context here, he's talking to saved individuals. So he says, you are not in the flesh. So in my humble opinion, that's, that's why I'm saying that would predispose that first part, that he's not saying that you are, you know, lost. Uh, he's saying that when you live in a fleshly, carnal manner as a saved person, you are not pleasing God. Uh, is it the Hebrews passage that says it's impossible to please God without faith, for you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Well, again, that is to a saved crowd that he's writing that to, you know. So uh, he's telling saved people, you cannot please God through your life if you're not living by faith, believing that he is, that salvation, and believing that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So he's telling this crowd that he's writing to, you have been saved by the spirit of God. And then he goes out to spell it out. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Okay, now you and I both... I, you know, for every person sitting in here, you are the only person that knows 100% sure whether or not you know Christ or not. You know, I, you can tell me that you do, and you can live fruit and, and have fruit before me. But other than that, I have to take your word for it. And, you know, I hopefully look at your fruit and say, yep, you're good. But you and God ultimately are the only two that, that truly know whether or not you're saved. So... I believe he's asking, you know, these guys to really introspectly look, you know. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, it seems awful blunt and forceful, but, but you know, I can't speak for you, but I, I like to know where I stand with people. <laughs> God's pretty clear. If you do not have the Spirit of God, you're none of his. And, and so that's an issue. You know, that's a problem. Comments? This is a passage of scripture that came up in the study um, because the next few verses deal with the spirit of adoption and, yeah. and God all making an offer of a relationship with anyone in the world, whosoever, right. can come to him and have a relationship with him and that relationship is not a temporary relationship or a conditional relationship right. and God made the provision for that relationship in a very exorbitant price that he paid for that relationship. So it's not consistent with the overarching purpose of God to, well, he didn't check this box, um, or you know, you spent 70% of your time living in the flesh, you know, doing this. It's all it's all about a relationship. You don't measure a relationship that way. There are different levels of commitment to that relationship. There are different levels of um, living out that relationship. Um, 
But if the relationship is there, you have the Spirit of God, you are one of His children, you're never getting kicked out of the family, you will be chastened like one of the family sure. uh, whom the Lord loves, He chastens. Um, I had that conversation with a friend one time. He just felt like he, you know, he would tell you he was in a bad place uh, in life. And, I, and he's a Christian. He professes to be Christian. And I asked him, what do you, where do you feel you, how would you characterize your relationship with God? He was afraid that he wasn't a Christian. He said he thought he never was. And he said, well, I feel like I'm getting spanked. And I, I said, well, if you're being chastened, God doesn't chasten other people's children. He ch chastens his children. Um, other evidence that you are in the family of God. So um, things like that, scriptures like that, help us shore up we belong here. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of Christians have done so many things in their life that they feel like I don't belong in, in the church. I don't belong with, the, uh, with God's family and, and in his kingdom. If you have the spirit and you know these things and you are, have that relationship that only you can know you have, you are part of the family of God that not only gives you license to tell other children that, that they are needing some correction, but it also, you should be receptive to the fact that someone in the family could come to you and say, hey, you, you, how are you doing in this area? Mm -hmm. should, should, should we get help for you? Right. Th that kind of thing. So having the Spirit of God, one, makes you aware that you're, you belong, and there's a family that you can rely on. I don't know how people who don't know the Lord make it without a church family. I, I, I've come to rely on and enjoy and have that place of belonging that I I think a lot of people in our society never never get. Amen. Anyone else before we move on here? That's good stuff, Gavin. So I, um, I'm sure Kenny remembers this, but. Um, my uncle came into town and we had a very um, uh, intense conversation, lasted a very long time. Um, and he is a very knowledgeable man, but he's definitely like, you know, Gavin Hooks level, Ben oh Kingston level, a <laughs> little yeah. higher than my, yeah. my brain. So when he talks, sometimes I'm like, huh? Yeah. You know, and um, he, this is one of the things that came up. And he was saying that, um, long story short, we got into tribulation, the post and pre and all that stuff. Um, but he was saying that there, there will be people who were going to be shocked to find out that the relationship in which they thought they had was not in sure. that true of a relationship. So those words and that conversation right. has played several times in my brain. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's any coincidence sure. that I'm sitting here tonight talking with you guys about this because quite quite frankly, what, what Gavin, you just said, God doesn't chasten or correct other people's children, only his own. That for me is, I know I have withstood God's correction. I know that um, I am part of... God's family. So, um, but just hearing that from what I'm understanding, you guys are saying is it's, it's not going to be any surprise to me to find Correct. out that, Oh, I thought I was saved, but maybe not, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not going to be new information for me one day. I, I think the scripture is very clear. God doesn't want anyone wondering. Yeah. He doesn't want anyone, especially approaching their time of departure. And, you know, we don't always get that opportunity. Sometimes it's just a a flash, you know, heart attack, car wreck, whatever, and you're gone. 
But, you know, there's a percentage of our society that they see it coming, you know, whether it's approaching the, the nursing facility or, you know, going to the ER at an old age, whatever the case may be, you see that approaching. God doesn't want anyone wondering, where am I going to go? And so that, 513. Yeah, right. And, and, and so uh, he wants us to have 100%, you know, assurance and, and so I think that's why he says here, you know, uh, if and if Christ be in you, well, the body is dead because of sin. But, but then he keeps going. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, I'm going to confess to you, I'm not 100% sure right here if he's referring to the end times, meaning your end time, that uh, Christ, that he, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. He could be referring to when you die physically, that he's going to quicken your, you know, you and bring you to, to heaven. But I, I think more so it's spiritually, that, that you know, yes, yours and my physical uh, soul, mind, will, and emotion, uh, when it comes to spiritual things, is dead. But when Christ comes in, you know, behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, you're a new creature in Christ. So, you know, this dead fleshly body in sin that is can only do sin, when Christ comes in, now you're fleshly body can do good things, can do righteous things because of the righteousness of Christ. Now, we're fixing to make a huge shift, shift here, but before we do, you guys got anything you want to add? This uh, passage really adds to the, the sermon you brought on, or a series of sermons on the, on the uh, dominant spirit. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, yes. <laughs> I think about that every time. Yeah. So, so uh, Christians should live their lives in making their spirit stronger making their spirit wiser and and having a dominant spirit that um, guides us in all our decisions, guides us in how we conduct ourselves at work, at home, at church, in public. Um, so, Well, this verse also helped me with, with confidence. Um, mm -hmm. I, I got your message today right after I came home from a doctor's appointment. Um, I'm on a weight loss journey trying to get healthier, yeah. do better. Um, and... That, that very last verse, verse 13, um, I specifically wrote down that it stood out reminding me that my mountain, which is weight loss, is a huge hill in my, in my human eyes. Yeah. But, um, you know, if I, if I can just remember that I'm a child of God and that with him I can do anything. I mean, he, he raised Jesus from the dead. Right. If, if he can do that, he can help me lose some weight. So that, That's absolutely 100%. Well, okay, so the next phase here is, therefore, brethren... We are debtors. Now, I want you to think of that. Even in the light of the idea of confidence, okay? America tells you that you don't need anything, Jamie. You've got everything inside of you without Christ. They, they won't say those words, but that's what they're saying. You don't need the church. You don't need the Bible. You've got everything you need inside of you to do whatever it is you want to do. Well, Christians, we know that that's 100% bunk. Right. We, we don't have that. If that were true, there would most likely not be any people in Skid Row 
you know, and, and things of that nature. Because who really wants to be in that situation? But so now we realize that there is no good thing in our flesh. So how do we get that confidence? How do we overcome? Well, we're debtors. You know, Christ has made it possible for all of us to make the, the right decisions in our lives. We are debtors to Christ, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For you, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. You know, Jamie, I'm on the other side of that journey from the standpoint of, uh, you know, if I don't get control of my blood sugar numbers, I'm not going to have to worry about, you know, much anything else because uh, I'll be in heaven <laughs> pretty shortly. Uh, with that said, I, I'm in the same situation. I know that Christ can do this. I just have to let him do it and realize that I am totally into his debt. If he doesn't do it, it's not going to happen because I am a slave to the flesh. Someone else? So then he says, but if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body you shall live. So as we do realize and cry out to God, hat in hand, Lord, I can't do this, but I know you can, then we crucify the flesh, we crucify the desires of the flesh, and we let the dominant spirit make the decisions. You know, uh, I mean, Dawn and I have, you know, <laughs> January 1, you know, a new, new lifestyle, uh, and, and it's not easy. But it's possible. Someone else? And that dom dominant spirit also um, was, you came up, up with that series after I'd already finished a section on the last book on internal controls. Mm -hmm. so, so this is how you, a Christian gets internal controls. When you get control of your, yourself, your spirit, your, your soul, it's because of the spirit, the spirit of God that gives you the power to do that. Um, so... Back in the day, we were a nation that understood the value of that, and, and a, people can only be free if they have a means of controlling their passions and their um, desires with a moral compass, and that comes through knowing God. Um, so you can only be free if you have this. Self-control. He talks a little bit about the free, freedom here, so you, you can lose your freedom because you can't control yourself. I think everybody knows how that can happen. Well, I mean... I think it was with you, honestly, Gavin, years and years ago that I made that connection that the Constitution and the government of the United States is built on self-control, self-governance. If we don't do that, there is no government big enough to control all of us. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to anarchy. Yeah, you know? and one way I've heard it put, too, is that anything that you don't take responsibility for in your life, the government will for you, and it'll come at a cost. Right. So exactly. if, if anything that you let go and you decide you want the government to do for you is going to come at a very hefty cost. And, and there's a factor that promotes throwing off self-restraint. There's mm -hmm. a factor that does that, and knowing that that will advance the, the power of, of a, a mm -hmm. government that's looking for more power. Um, and, of course, the enemy, the enemy of the soul feeds that, uh, that, that kind of style. If, if we were to throw off all self-control, people would beg for the government to take control. So you can see how the leverage can be used to take away our freedom. Right. Um, so a people that can control themselves and ha has an internal control, a dominant spirit uh, life, is a people that can be free. Man. And that's why it's so easy to lose freedom, too, because freedom's not the 
it, we we think it's the status quo in America because we've had it so nice for so sure. long. But it's not the norm. It's a it's a value, not an instinct. I, or an assumption. Mm -hmm. It can't be assumed. It, and and it, it's not a right, really. It, it's a privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's a privilege. Uh, so, um, current events. Uh, we are out of time on that first se uh, session there. So, current events. Uh, I think she gives us three minutes, which that's never enough time. But, uh, Ryan, do you have a current event you want to talk I about? I do. I was listening to Matt Walsh the other day, and uh, a story came up out of Washington State, so you know it's going to be wild. But so, so the way it goes in Washington State apparently is that it is not illegal to be completely nude in public as long as there's no kids around. So there's this lake up there that was just this a, a nude LGBT haven, so they put it. And uh, somebody, an anonymous donor whose name didn't come out, um, decided they were going to donate half a million dollars to put a playground right next to that lake. Oh, <laughs> that way there were kids there and nobody could be naked there anymore, <laughs> which is awesome. Saving the nation. Uh-huh. So that guy's a hero. But uh, then, <laughs> yeah, then the LGBT activists all threw a fit and were, you know, had this town hall, you know, trying to get his name and see you all. And finally the government, you know, rejected his donation of half a million dollars. They said, oh, yeah. So they won out in the end, but this guy's a hero. Yeah. No doubt. I'm still convinced that there has got to be an exodus. There's got to be an exodus in these states that are going this route. Mm -hmm. There's just got to be an exodus. Uh, it, Jamie, you got a current event? No, okay. no, I don't. Gavin, you got one? Well, th there were several listed in that, that text yeah, that you I saw. Thought well, those were mine, but, oh, but okay. we don't have I, time for it. So no. you got one? So I, I dove into those, and I'm so depressed now. I don't want. <laughs> Don't have anything positive to contribute to this section. Here. Well, yeah. So we'll just uh, throw this out there. I, I'm so excited to see the uh, list on Jeffrey Epstein's travel log uh, to be, uh, you know, given. I'm very skeptical. I don't. Are think it's, you? I've, it's been sitting for this long with yeah. the most powerful people in the world on that list. There's no yeah. way it's still around. The, the and we're wolves see have it. been keeping the sheep. There. Yeah, it's uh, long gone, and that's what I. I hope I'm wrong, but. So just a FYI, uh, so this guy, Nick Bryan, I'm going to put a plug in for him. He's a investigative journal journalist who's been, basically his career has been around exposing human trafficking, child child uh, trafficking. Um, he's the one that uncovered and, and published the story about the Franklin um, scandal that happened yeah. in Nebraska. Um, and he was the next obviously the next or the guy in line to do the Epstein story and he's done a great deal about it so he's got uh, a website that's putting together a coalition of people he says if we don't act in unison together at one time we're not going to exert enough strength or weight on the government so we have to all come together to make something happen to prosecute the people who are involved in this and to force judges and the Department of Justice to um, exact justice and explain to us why they were involved. So the, the government has, by um, stepping out of it, has been complicit in allowing it to continue. Right. Uh, so he's wanting to know why. So the government apparently has some motivation for stepping out of it and letting it go on and then holding all the evidence and not letting anything happen to it. So um, he, he also, he was one of the guys that got the black book, Jeffrey Epstein's black book, which has all his contacts in it. Um, I don't know if that indicts you just being in that book book because he Why has a lot he of. Why don't he release it then? He did. Oh. So it's it's out there. If you want to 
to read it, it's, it's Nick Bryant, um, Gawker. Okay. Um, Black Book, just Google that. I, right. I did that before I came in. Again, I'm skeptical, like uh, Ryan, is that the actual Black Book? Um, I had a little little bit of creep factor to, to look at it to see who was in there. There's some surprising names in there. Um, and again, there were contacts. There's, that's not proof of uh, right. uh, bad behavior. Right. But the flight logs would be pretty implicit, right. pretty, pretty um, condemning. But anyway, it's out there. Nick Bryant's the guy's name. Uh, EpsteinJustice.com if you want to huh. contribute or learn more about it. Interesting. So the mystery topic, uh, you got a mystery topic, Jamie? No, but yours was good. <laughs> Ryan, you got one? I, uh, I oh, do. It's a little, it's a little bit scary. Let's do the wheel of... Don't land on Jamie. Down. Okay. Yeah, if, if Jamie gets it, I'll go. All right, Ryan. All right. Okay. Like I said, it's not super organized in the way I'll present it, but it's kind of just a thought process I've had lately uh, dealing with delayed gratification. Right. So I kind of had uh, a general idea that it's a good thing, obviously, but... Uh, if I were to define it before, I would have just said, you know, it's um, gratification, but later type yeah. of thing. Um, but then I was listening to uh, Jordan Peterson in an in interview, and he was talking about it. And he just kind of, in passing, said they were talking, said something about delayed gratification. And he said, yeah, but that's, you know, it barely scratches the surface of what it really means, more or less. So then that really got me thinking about it. And I was like, well, what does it mean? It's right. obviously not just, you know, waiting to gratify yourself. Um, so then I came up with the thought that delayed gratification is enhanced gratification because if you're, um, you're giving up, that's another thing I've learned from Peterson. I've learned a lot from him lately, but, um, if any kind of sacrifice is a sacrifice of the self and the present to others and the future. So then it's, it's really been kind of a, a rabbit hole going say, down. Say that again. A right. sacrifice, and this isn't for me, it's from him. Right. A sacrifice, any good sacrifice is of yourself and the present to others and the future. So delayed gratification is giving up yourself and the pleasures that you could have now in the hopes or with the vision of enhanced gratification down the road. Okay. You're not just giving it up for no reason. You're giving it up to get something better down the road, like uh, instead of getting $100, now you get 1000 down the road type of thing. That's, it's not a very good analogy. but Well, so, you know, very similar to this, uh, Dave Ramsey says, live like no one else so that later in life you can live like no one else. Mm -hmm. So in other words, in the first part of your life, you say no to yourself for that better car. You say no to yourself for that better house. You say no to yourself, fill in the blank so that you can save, 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 invest, 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 so that later in life you can live like no one else. You Very much compounded. It's not, Correct. You know, if you save 100 bucks now, it's not going to be 100 bucks down the road That's invested right. properly. And, and you don't have to hesitate at that point in your life if you need, want, desire. Mm -hmm. Want to give to somebody That's right, else. Right. That's yeah. exactly right. So uh, this was just simply uh, a, and if you guys want this person's contact, I can get it to you, but she's a homesteader. And she has, I've watched her by just simply, you know, responding to an email one day. So I've been, you know, not spammed, but I've gotten quite a few emails from her. But I've just kind of watched through the last five years her, her life grow. Uh, started out just as a blogger on how to, you know, can stuff and such. Well, she, they've got, they've bought a farm. They've bought a business. She homeschools her children. 
She homesteads. I mean, it's pretty amazing what this lady has done. So she shared this that her grandpa taught her uh, in raising horses. You got to do things you've never done to get things you've never had. <laughs> I think that's very similar to yep, Dave Ramsey's live like no one else so that someday you can live like no one, no one else. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that goes along it with goes along the with sacrifice, the, yeah. yeah mm -hmm. The delayed Very much so, yeah. And yeah. if anybody had any other comments, great. If not, I'll continue. Yeah, so, go ahead. So that delayed gratification is an, 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 an it probably is important to mention, I don't want to discourage anybody, but investing in a goal for your life is, is essentially delayed gratification. You don't go out and get a job and start making money because you want to go to school and you want to ultimately be a veterinarian, for instance. I just had this discussion with somebody. So, so you, you, you forfeit the, the four years of income that you could have from a job to, to pursue ultimately a job that will be one that you, you, is your dream to, right. to do and, and hopefully will um, reward you financially also. So there's no promise of ultimately getting that. Right. But, but you have, mm -hmm. and the per what I said to the person is, if you feel like that's what you're made for, you're going to be an unhappy person to you some degree if you don't mm -hmm. at least try. And that's been mm -hmm. one of the markers for my decision-making process. Well, I regret it if I don't try this. That's a really good point because you can delay gratification to get it greater later, but also if you, um, I don't know, give in to hedonism or whatever you want to call it, um, and gratify yourself now you may regret it tenfold later too just like you would get the benefit yeah. tenfold had you excellent point. yeah yeah exponentially exponentially regret versus exponential uh achievement mm -hmm. that yeah that's really good i like that a lot yeah. um but then uh i was listening to peterson in a interview with an anarchist it was really interesting the the two um going back and forth on it but one of the things the anarchists point out that really it was he had some good points and some, you know, really sure. far out there points. Um, but one of the good ones that he made is in a centralized government. That's not necessarily the case that delayed gratification is enhanced gratification because they, if you're aiming for equal outcomes and you delay gratification, you're just wasting that gratification. You could be, you know, if you get a hundred bucks to you, um, and you wait long enough, the government could just take it from you. And, and kind of like you were saying, it's not guaranteed outcome. But especially if the government is out to um, give everyone equal outcomes, it in incentivizes you to be hedonistic and not look toward the future and just leads into the deeper, results going to be chaos. the same. Why should I beat myself up? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's just an interesting train of thought. Um, that and then you have to ask yourself, why am I staying in the state? It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to yeah. keep beating that it's, drum. Uh, all right. Well, good. Go ahead. Are you done? No, I'm done. I was just okay. kind of. That was my train of thought. Stuff. I was curious if you had any anything to add. So M Molly's not here, so we, we've way went past. But that's okay because <laughs> we uh, are not going to look into the um, review of the A New Kid by Friday. I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, that the review part of that book won't become a rabbit hole for us and just repeat, repeat, repeat. But we're going to visit that and and go from there. I have heard great things and responses to uh, the New Kid by Friday. So what we may do, because I've got a couple other books by the same author, we may, you know, go through some of that material as well. Um, so reaction to Brad's message uh, Sunday morning. If you were not able to be at the second service, I sent out a, a phone blast today to encourage the first service folks to listen and watch on BethelLondale.com. Brother Brad posted them both two days ago uh, to look at 
or you know, watch that message. And if you were at the second message, to watch the first service message, because both messages were apropos of what's going on here at Bethel right now. And so essentially, he uh, used. You know, we had the kids, of course, and the sponsors share uh, their experiences at Youth Alive, which was awesome. Uh, but then he did, and, and I, <laughs> I, and y'all can gig him a little bit. I texted him Saturday night, Brad, do you have something working on you? And if you do, I'll just let you have the service, you know. So in other words, if you want that time, I'll just give it to you. His response was, no, I'm good. So I prepared a message. <laughs> Turd gets up there and just lights it up. I mean, just shucks the corn right down to the cob and leaves me about five minutes. <laughs> but again, it was great. It was God moving, and so we just rolled with it. Uh, and we had a great experience in that second service. Uh, all that said, his passage was Second uh, Samuel 23 through 13. This is David during his wandering times and that's not in a bad sense he was running for his life and he had a portion of uh, the valiant men uh, in the army with him and these valiant men were just that that word valiant means they were something you know that they were if you will the navy seals of david's army and the such god's army the bible says and three of the 30 chief went down and came to david in the harvest time under the cave of adullam they were hiding and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephidim. And David was then in a hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines. So that means they fought their way through the line. And drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. In other words, drink this water that these men just sacrificed their life to bring to me. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. So Brad brought the challenge. What are you risking for the Lord? What are you doing on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, yearly basis that you're risking for the Lord? Uh, so basically, th this is my two cents, and then we'll let you guys you know, dive in. Both parties, the, the mighty men and David, both parties did the right thing. The mighty men honored their king. King David honored their potential sacrifice by pouring it out to the king of kings signifying he was the only one worthy of such a sacrifice. Now, that's my opinion. I'm just thinking that David was thinking, had one of these men died, they might have died in vain for me. So I'm going to pour this out to the only person that this type of sacrifice is worthy of. You know, I, to me, I, that's a weighty thought. But it's, again, it's just my opinion. Yeah, the, the love and devotion of these men for David is, is obvious. I mean, that, that kind of devotion to say, we're just going to tear it up and get some water. That's right. And can you imagine what the Philistines thought when the, they, these three guys just are tearing it up? What are they after? What, what, why are they attacking us? We're getting water out of the well. And now they're leaving. They just wanted to drink a water. <laughs> can you imagine the thought process? Uh -huh. and, yeah, and, and I uh, guarantee you some Philistines died that day. Oh, yeah. It's just really interesting, too. It plays into the delayed gratification on David's part, too, that he 
He yeah. had exactly what he was, you know, just lamenting he didn't have any water. And then it, he gets it, and it's right in front of him. So he could choose to have that water now. But then that would be a slap in the face to the guys who just got it and to the rest of his men that, you know, where's our water, you know? Right. So what kind of a leader would he be if he were right. to, to take the water? I took it another level there. Those guys weren't born valiant. They weren't born strong. They weren't born with those. They, they had delayed gratification, too, to get those skills to be mighty men. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's throughout the whole story there. Mm -hmm. I think I wonder, on a negative side, was David wrong for saying that out loud? Is, is that, do you think he regretted that? You know what I mean? Do you think he knew that they were there? Ooh. He may have just been, you know, whining to himself Lamenting. off in the corner somewhere and they overheard and you're like, yeah. you know what, we're going to surprise him. Yeah. Let's do it. Not knowing yeah. that, you know, he was more of a man than they realized and wouldn't take the, what, what the they got for him. So you, Certainty of death, little chance yeah. of success. <laughs> what are we waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I like to see people bow up in a positive sense. That when they hear something, you can, just see, can just see it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they're like, I mean, because I, I if you watch me in that seat, you know, all through the song service, I, I'm usually bowing up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting filled. I'm getting, you know, excited. And a lot of times I'll scoot to the edge of my seat because I'm liking what I'm hearing. I'm, I'm, I'm bowing up. And, and I can imagine these three, when they heard that, they bowed up and looked at each other and went, yeah, yeah. You know, they didn't have to say it. Just, come on, you know, let's go. Uh, so do we challenge ourselves to risk anything, much less everything, for our king on a daily basis? Now, I think it's fair to, you know, balance this, that unless God has asked us to do something like that, I don't know that, you know, so we are spiritualizing this. But, but still the bottom line is, what do we really lay on the line on a daily basis? Now, if we're sharing our faith, it's obvious. Some people are going to get fired for that, you know. Some people are going to lose uh, provision for that. You're going to lose friends. You know, think about the Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. You know, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to risk? Befriending someone that, that no one else is befriending, you know. Um, I, I heard a story today. If I said names, you guys would all probably recognize it. But this young man left the faith because in bringing the homeless of that particular town to the church that he was associate of, they ostracized him. They did not want to minister to these people that he was bringing to the church. And it hurt him, as you can only imagine. He basically lost his job because he was trying to do what Jesus was encouraging him to do. And now, I mean, he's, he's serving the other side pretty well, you know, when you get right down to it in that respect. Now, in my, again, in my humble opinion, I think he'll come back around, I hope, Bray. Uh, and ultimately, it, it, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't his fault because he reacted wrongly to it. But this church hurt him. You know, and that, that's a big deal. It, it's another, uh, just weaving back in the previous, the first comp, um, subject we were talking about, if there's a relationship there, God continues to pursue it. Right. And he p continues to expose problems in that relationship. And uh, just in my own personal study, in my own personal life, got had a, a problem that I was having that I didn't realize I was having. And, and finally got exposed to what, you know, what my issue was with this. And I... I I marvel at the fact that God will do, do almost anything in any way to get through to you. 
to, in me, it was a song that had words in it that just rung the bell. And I was like, yeah, I've got that problem. Uh, I, I need to deal with that. And it has brought on a whole um, domino effect of other areas of my life. So if there's a relationship there, God's going to pursue it, and it's going to pursue it in a way that deepens the relationship and, and broadens your experience with him. You'll get a, more, you get a greater, deeper experience with him. You'll have a deeper, more meaningful walk with him. Um, and I hope uh, to high heaven that other people are, are brought to him also because of this experience I've had um, just in the last few months. Amen. Someone else? Do we challenge ourselves to risk anything, much less everything, for our king on a daily basis? What do you think it did to the other guys and the, and the mighty men of valor? Uh, well, a lot of them Why probably... Why did you ask me to go? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and how many exploits were inspired by that? Right, right. And, and you know, years ago at Temple Baptist Church... We saw the church go from 390 to 602 years. We also saw several churches within the association, because there were like 30 BMA churches in Jonesboro. And they pointed fingers and accused and denied and castigated Temple for being so blessed. Well, they got to be doing something wrong because pure churches don't grow like that. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. And, and some of those very pastors... What a ridiculous thing. What a ridiculous thing. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're only a real Christian if you're such a loser you can't bring anybody in. <laughs> <laughs> there you That's go. Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, no. I had a preacher tell me to my face, the cost of purity is smallness. Mm. And I just disagree with that with everything in my body. Uh, tell that to the first church at Jerusalem. 3,000 yeah. a day. Yeah. 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 Are we called to be ineffectual or, and just, yeah. you know, right. be right. up on our high horse and saying we're doing the right thing and not actually winning anyone. Right. <laughs> Changing lives. Yeah. And so it, it really disheartens me because because I, I, I think that something like that could happen in a group of soldiers that instead of applauding and copying, well, you know, I, I can't believe those well, three. Why didn't went. you bring back a flask of wine? That's right. Come on, yeah. yeah, come on. Making the you should have took a barrel better. with you. <laughs> We're all thirsty, you know. And, and so I just, now with that said, I know what it is to struggle when you hear of another church or ministry growing. I think, well, well good grief. You know, it, well, <laughs> again, that's selfishness that, that's in looking and, and such. And so I, I should be asking myself, well, what have you done? What have you done to risk? You know, they took a risk here. You know, they, they put their neck out to reach people for Christ. W what are you doing, you know? Uh, and, and, guys, there's plenty of people. The woods are full of them. <laughs> you know, none of us really has to worry about having enough people, you know, to reach to grow for Christ. So, Was it Churchill who said that without great risk, great achievements are not attained? It right. takes Something great along risks those lines. to have great achievements. So one of my um, things that I, I wrote down Monday morning after his sermon um, was I, I felt conviction about our finances and being more diligent, not just tithing, but being more giving and risking, you know, the Christmas 
gift mm -hmm. that we gave mm -hmm. or that, that the church participated in. Uh, you know, things like that, just going outside of tithe right. um, and being willing to to risk, if you will, our finances and, and trusting that, you know, following can't, that direction. Can't out give God. Right. Amen. Um, and then my other thing was time. Um, risk and spending time. Spending right. time specifically. I can't tell you how many times Olivia has all the questions, guys. All the questions. And, I mean, sometimes it's so much easier to be like, can, can we just talk about that later? Can, can we, do we got to go? Like, can we, Specifically, her questions come at, you know, 9 o'clock at night. Oh, like, yeah. You know, it, she's got all the questions, and we want to dive in deep to, to, to important topics. But sometimes my response to her is, okay, so. Have you got a blackboard or a, a board that you could write those questions write on? Write it down. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, and just spending time and knowing that, I quite literally am raising a disciple for the Lord Amen. and I need to invest in her and, right. and in, in the other ones too, but just spending that time to really pour into them. Amen. And, and it is difficult. I will tell you because, you know, the bottom line is you never quit being a parent. And um, it, it is a, what the, what's the word? It's very rewarding to see those seeds that have been planted coming to fruition. You, you will not regret answering those questions and the such. But I think it's good to have a go-to that when it is 930 and you desperately need some rest and she needs to go to bed, that's a great question for the board. <laughs> and then we'll on the stays on the board until, yeah. until it gets answered. Yes. It's, it's been satisfied. Or, right. Yeah. Yes. And, and maybe That's put good. a timer on it, you know, from the yeah. standpoint of, I promise you within a 24-hour period, we will revisit this. Talk about this Yeah, week. or whatever the case yeah. may be. Yeah. yeah. Right. Question of the week. Um, so, uh, lastly on this, guys, uh, these men pursued third place. They were serving God and King David, and they pursued third place. And as a result, they're and, and are they named in the Bible? Because in this passage, they're not named. I don't think are they? Uh, so I'm just mentioned in Second Samuel twenty-three. Well, this is Second Samuel twenty-three. I'm sorry, in Chronicles. Chronicles. Chronicles in. So they uh, may be named in Chronicles. This is First Chronicles eleven. Uh, and the three breakout doesn't say. Okay. I just was curious. Uh, I mean, God knows who they are, but uh, just to me, it was just interesting the fact that possibly their names were mentioned because uh, you know you, you get right down to it. There's there's very few names compared to the mass of humanity on this planet that made it in the the book. You know. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, uh, Proverbs or Psalms, Ryan. Yeah. So it's one that I kind of found when I was, I don't know, 13, 14, and it's stuck with me ever since, and it's been one of my favorites. When I think of Proverbs, it's, uh, I think it's 24, 30 through 34. Um, so it says, I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone walls were broken down. And when I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it, and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Why do you think his choice of an armed man? I, that's always piqued my interest beyond words. What? I think it's just kind of kind of in the way that uh, in Genesis, God says, you know, sin will come knocking at your door and you have to fight against it. Right. 
I think it's in the same way. Sin and laziness is a sin. Right. Um, there, it's pursuing you. So if you aren't prepared to fight against it, it's going to come at, against you like an armed man and destroy everything you own. And, and steal. From you, you. Yeah, steal. you're yeah. not going to be able to stop him. Mm-hmm. He, he's armed, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not armed because you're in bed. You better, yeah, you better get <laughs> armed. Yeah. Any kind of over, overcoming sin like this can be um, a rob, robber can steal from you. If it's a addiction, uh, you know, laziness can be an addiction. Uh, so can procrastination. There's, there, like you've been addicted to those things because you avoid any kind of conflict or work. Um, they, they steal from you, and they generate a world of regret. Mm-hmm. They really do. Compounded at, regret, like yeah. we talked about earlier. Yeah, good stuff. So this uh, pretty well wraps up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this idea. Whoever came up with the whole idea that a chicken was a lack of courage, they've never raised chickens. I got one little Rhode Island red rooster. She will take me on in a heartbeat. I mean, she bowls up and, and he, she, the he, cackles. Just, just for posterity, he. Rooster is a, is a he. No, this a is a hen. This okay, is a ro- did, did I say rooster? rooster yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Just, well, at least the veterinarian <laughs> set me straight. Rhode Island red hen. I would regret that for the yeah, rest of I, my amen, life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gabby. And he's right, by the way. But this particular chicken is a hen. Because the roosters do that too, oh, yeah. but but she, I've never had a hen do this, and she's not. But about you know, she's not even. She's, she's three months old, maybe. Oh yeah. Creature, the bigger the fight. Yeah, and and I set her straight, but nonetheless, um, <laughs> I, I just she she's bold, boy. I mean, she really is. She didn't take a freezer. Fun camp, fact about no, Jamie. no, she's still alive. She's not in. <laughs> she didn't go to freezer camp. What was that? Fun fact about Jamie, I do not like roosters or hens um i have a very unhealthy fear of them <laughs> just fyi you're chicken of chickens i am a chicken <laughs> of chickens that's right that's good to know jamie that's good to know all right well guys thank you god bless you have a great we'll see you sunday or next wednesday